to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. It's great to have you joining us again today. Looking forward to this episode where I'm going to combine kind of two things. One, my travels to the Czech Republic and particularly Prague with what I discovered there in terms of the most atheistic country in the Western world and tell you about Prague and all the pointers toward belief in Christianity and then what happened. And then here's some reasons why you should believe in God. Um, so I'm looking forward to sharing this with you today, combining, you know, both some insights on a very beautiful city, Prague, and a marvelous place with some very clear, logical, rational reasons why the evidence would point to a belief in God. So we'll get there. But before we do, just want to talk about a, a, a few other things. One thing is someone said to me recently, they're like, you know, I listen to your podcast. It's it's really different than listening to you speak. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know, your speaking is just more, say, refined or polished. And the the podcast is really doesn't even sound like you if, if you've only heard you speak, you're so sort of uh, different and the smooth and the delivery. And it's just different than, you know, talking the way I'm talking right now. And I got to thinking about that. So I just listened to our most recent episode. And it's true, you know, there's it's definitely different how I talk on this podcast is just a different way of talking. And I'll say things like, you know, or um, things I never say when I'm speaking publicly. And um, it's just it's just a different kind of experience, which, by the way, in, in no way, shape or form am I saying that this podcast isn't good. It's just different if you've also heard me speak in terms of uh uh, some type of event or in a church or a conference or an event or something like that when I'm, I'm given a, a, a speech, a message, a sermon, whatever. So if you'd like to hear some of those, go to my YouTube channel, the Rick McDaniel YouTube channel. There's probably 50 or so videos. Some of them are as brief as a few minutes. Some of them are as long as 35 minutes. And, you know, you might get a, a, another taste. And, and again, some who are saying, well, we'd like to have you uh, come speak, Rick, and we want to hear something first besides just like the podcast. Yeah, I won't speak like on the podcast. I'll speak like those videos that you see on YouTube. So I would encourage you to go over to YouTube and listen or watch, watch some of those videos. By the way, there's lots of great topics and it doesn't matter if you're not motivated by the difference between a podcast and a message from me, you just want good content. There's some great content on a number of, of, of different themes and topics that I think you would find very, very beneficial. So you can do that. Another thing is I just found out that the Mindset Matters, the latest uh, reading plan on the Uversion Bible app, the largest app, Bible app in the world, over over 500 million people are a part of it. And I have seven plans on there. The latest is Mindset Matters. I've talked about it before on the podcast. I just found out it is uh, already... In, in its short time that it's been out, it is already the most listened to, most uh, 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 
completions first, you know, you can sign up for it. Then you got to complete it. All the metrics, it's number one. Uh, so if you haven't done the Mindset Matters plan, which is five days of reading, and I say listened, it's, it's reading. You can listen to it, but most people just read it. But again, you can listen if you want to do it that way. Um, but it take you about three minutes each day. There's five. So you could do it like a Monday through Friday. You could start on a Friday like today and go through the weekend, however you want to do it. But it is um, become uh, very popular, really fantastic numbers, especially when it, it's, it wasn't out all that long. It was kind of amazing how it, it's up there. And then within a week, you know, it sort of starts to disappear and it's gone. So that makes the numbers even more amazing versus some that for whatever reason seem to stay up there for quite a while. So it's very popular and I would love for you to to read it. So go to YouVersion uh, on the Bible app, YouVersion, you type in Mindset Matters and start the plan. And I think it'll really, really, really bless you. I'm really excited about it. Okay, I'd like to talk more about that, but we got to get going here. So... So I took a trip to the Czech Republic and particularly uh, actually was in a number of countries. I was in um, Germany. I was in Austria. I was in Romania. So um, I've been was in a few places, but I finished up in Prague and was really, you know, it was a great trip. It's, you know, fascinating. Just real quick, just in case you don't know, just if you just look at its more recent history. So first thing you'd have to know is that uh, the Czech Republic, right, used to be Czechoslovakia. So now there is Slovakia and there's the Czech Republic and they had a, a very amenable split no one was no problem with it at all no upset there you know unlike maybe something you know that you might find in say Serbia and Bosnia something like that not like that at all uh, but when they were Czechoslovakia they were occupied by the Nazis and uh, that was a very very unpleasant experience a very unpleasant time and then they went straight from that into coming under the Soviet Union, communist totalitarian rule for 40 years. So really, only in the last 30 years has the Czech Republic been a free democracy for a long time. It was under, you know, these two awful, the two most oppressive Nazism, communism, I mean, really bad. But they're free of all that now. But of course, the city is quite old, has an incredible history and we toured it my wife and I toured it just want to share with you some of the experiences and kind of show you um, I think a little fascinating snapshot so probably the most famous I mean there's a lot of famous things we're going to talk about them but the thing that is really big is the the Prague castle they call complex largest in the world so not just the castle but the whole complex that is up there and it's basically up there on a hill uh, you can see it, especially from um, the the river area. You can see it very clearly. Uh, the centerpiece is really St. Vitus Cathedral. It's what you, in most lists of the most beautiful church buildings in the world, it would be in that list. And I have been very fortunate to, to have been to a number. I'm not going to say, you know, all of them, the Domo in uh, Milan and 
St. Peter's in the Vatican and, um, oh man, I can't believe I can't think of more right now off the top of my head, but I've been to some of the most beautiful and largest churches in the world, a number of the largest church buildings. And this one is in that list of the most beautiful churches that you can find Westminster Chapel in London. There's another. And give me a minute. I'll come up with some more. This will be another difference between me speaking and me doing a podcast. If I was uh, if I was speaking, I would have had all that prepared right ahead of time. But in, in podcasts, you know, you, you kind of wing it a little bit more uh, versus having it really kind of tight. So it's it's a church. It, it's it's a functioning Catholic church to, to this day. You go down to the river. There's the Charles Bridge. It's over 600 years old. So oldest stone bridge in Europe. And it's famous for having uh, 30 statues of Christian saints. And the most well-known is St. John Nepomuk. And the reason that's famous because he was martyred for refusing to tell the confession of Queen Sophia to her jealous husband, and uh, uh, which is King o- Wenceslas. He, uh, he was a piece of work, that guy. And he wanted to know what the queen had confessed and he wouldn't tell and so he ended up being martyred and people believe that rubbing a statue brings them good fortune. And man, if you see the statue, it's been rubbed many, many times. Then you go into the old town square. This is the, you know, sort of the original part of Prague. And there's this famous astronomical clock that's been operating continuously since the 15th century. So that makes it the oldest anywhere in the world. There are there may be one or two older astronomical clocks, but they haven't been been continuously operating. The most unique feature is at the top of every hour, there's a procession of the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, as they pop out of these two windows. You know, it's like this, uh, this uh, you know, little mechanical thing. They come out and they go in front and they tuck back in. And I'm going to tell you what, every hour, the square is packed, packed with people who want to view it. I mean, when we were there, it's just, it's just unbelievable how uh, we were there one time in the middle of the day. There was all these people. We were there one time at night. There were even more people. It's just absolutely amazing. Then you go into the very center of the, of the old town square, and there's this huge statue to honor a guy named John Huss. He was the rector of Prague University. He was the pastor of Bethlehem Church. He stressed that obeying the Pope or church decrees was only necessary to the extent that they were in agreement with Scripture. His emphasis on the authority of the Bible uh, was not taken well by the Catholic Church that wanted the authority of the Catholic Church above the Bible, which is why the Reformation, ultimately one of the reasons the Reformation happened. But he's pre-Reformation. He ended up being removed from the priesthood and burned at the stake in 1415, in July 6, 1415. So this is well before people like Martin Luther or John Calvin entered the picture as far as people who uh, started the Protestant Reformation. Just real quick, Protestant comes from the word protest. Reformation comes from the word for, you know, reform. So the Protestant uh, reforming the church, protesting the church's focus on indulgences, on the authority of church doctrine above the Bible. So phrases like sola, which means only in Latin, sola scriptura, only scripture, sola fide, sola only fide faith, only faith. These were, you know, some of the 
phrases that were a part of it. But this guy precedes all of them. So he's a very, very important person. Someone that Martin Luther would would have referenced numerous times as being, you know, someone who inspired him to do what he did as the sort of initial leader of the Protestant Reformation. So you just think about these. These are some of the highlight places that everyone goes to. There's others, but these are the big ones. Really, these are the these are the big ones. So you have this country with a deep Christian foundation and Prague is, you know, kind of like the ground zero of it all with all of these reminders, the the, the famous church in the Prague Castle complex and the the famous bridge with the 30 statues of Christian saints and the astronomical clock with the apostles coming out of it and the town square with this giant monument to honor this incredible, uh, courageous man who led the ref- led what ultimately became the Reformation. So, must be a very Christian country. Well, not so. Only twenty five percent of twenty nine. Only twenty nine percent of people believe in God. It's the most atheistic Western country, as I said. Now. The initial responses were people like, well, you know, 40 years of godless communism and all that influence, and that's what happened. But Poland, which is right next door, you know, they share a pretty substantial border, both under communist rule, bordering countries. 86% of Poles believe in God. 86% in Poland, Polish people, Poles believe in God. Only 29%? of the Czech people believe in God. I mean, it's, it's now, you know, they'll give you other arguments, uh, that, uh, are, are, you know, there's validity to it in terms of the country being Protestant. Well, because of Huss, right. That makes sense. That's what happened. But then, then from Austria, uh, you know, comes a king and he wants to change everything and turn everything back to Catholicism because that's what he was about. That Austrian king was uh, Franz Joseph Halsberg, very famous. The Halsberg family in in that part of Europe, in say Central Europe, is like the Medici's in Italy. These were, you know, in fact, if you want to do your World War One history, you'll see it's just a handful. I mean, a handful of people like Halsbergs and these these royal families throughout Europe that ended up really causing. World War One, but you can you can check that out on your own. All right, so there you go. That's that's where we're where we're at. That's where we're at in terms of Prague. So it's pretty stunning. Now there's a scripture in the Bible, Romans chapter one, verses twenty and twenty one. God's eternal power and character cannot be seen, but from the beginning of creation, God has shown what these are like by all He's made. That's why those people don't have any excuse. They know about God but they don't honor him or even thank him. So what the Bible is saying is there's evidence for God and it's everywhere. And if you don't recognize it, there's no excuse for that, which is pretty strong because that's pretty strong language, you know, because grace in the Bible is preeminent. In fact, the book of Romans is, is a huge treatise on uh, a theological, most theological book in the Bible, all about grace. But here you find uh, a different terminology. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Why is there no excuse? Because 
God can be known and the existence of God can be realized and discovered. So I want to shift from the description of Prague and, and all of that. Beautiful place to go, by the way. I think very affordable. Just kind of get off here a moment again. Not what I would do necessarily in a speaking message, but and this is the beauty of a podcast. You know, you can do these sorts of things. It's, I mean, really, there, I had some great meals and really in lodging and everything was uh, quite affordable. So really great place to go. Beautiful place to go, but they don't believe in God in a way that is just shocking. Now, when we talk about a belief in God, and you know, Mortimer Adler, who's a 20th century philosopher, said it's the most important question. is the God question. It's the most important question in anybody's life, the God question. When we talk about God, we're talking about a theistic God, a, a, a one God, a personal God. In other words, we're not talking about, say, pantheism that said, says God is everywhere, in, in can be in animals and all this sort of stuff, or polytheism, which says that there are many gods, and certainly not naturalism, which essentially is what atheism is. There's no God. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about a theistic. Theos is the word for God, by the way. So theology, study of God, theistic, single God, a personal God, God that you can know. That's what we're referring to when we talk about what I'm, what I'm talking about here. It isn't just a, you know, belief in many gods or you and I, or all gods. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a belief and particularly from my perspective, we're talking about God as he is understood in, in the Christian faith, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. That's a whole nother discussion. The Trinity was God three or one. God is one. Best uh, best explanation I can ever give to you would be that, that when you look at something like water, it can exist in liquid form. It can exist in frozen form and it can exist in vapor form. All are water, but one is a mist, one is frozen, one is liquid. It's the easiest and best way I, I've ever known to talk about God. God is one. But those three expressions of God, and particularly, of course, with Christianity, it's important because Christianity is all about Jesus. It's Christ, right? Jesus Christ. So it's belief in, in, in Jesus. So pantheism, no, not polytheism, no, none of those things. Now, it's true. You know, we, we can't touch God. We can't measure God. We can't see God. God is not material. God is spirit. But there are, there are plenty of reasons um, for us to believe in God. And by the way, there's plenty of other things we believe we don't see. We believe in love. We can't see it. Gravity. Electricity. <laughs> you know, you plug it in. You can't see it. I mean, air. So... You can see the works of God. And again, that's what Romans is saying. But there are clearly rational, logical reasons for the existence of God. This is not uh, something that philosophers and theologians have not uh, considered and developed over a very, very long period of time. One of my professors at Boston College uh, wrote a book. And in that book, he has 20 reasons for uh, belief in God. I'm going to give you three or four here today that I think are just absolutely 
as simple to understand and and really hard to argue with. So let's call this one the design argument or the design reason. The universe has a staggering amount of design. There's just incredible intricacy in the universe, the world in which we live. The incredible fine-tuning required of for carbon-based life just simply points to a designer. Physicists have identified the four forces of nature, right? Gravity. Uh, then you have either weak or strong nuclear force, electronic magnetism. Those are the four, right? Strong nuclear force, weak, weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, gravity. The strength of each of these forces must fall within a very specific range to make life possible on Earth. And that's just, that's just science. If the neutron were not exactly as it is, which is 1.0001 times the mass of the proton, then neutrons would decay into protons. All this design, where does it come from? And the most logical answer to that would be a super intelligent designer. And that designer's name is God. Frank Press and Raymond Seaver at Harvard. This is what they said. The Earth's interior is gigantic, but delicately balanced. It's a heat engine fueled by radioactivity. If running more slowly, the continents would not have evolved in the present form. If there had been more radioactive fuel, that means a faster running engine, then volcanic dust would have blotted out the sun, the atmosphere would have been oppressively dense, and the surface would have been racked by literally daily earthquakes and volcanoes. So if the engine runs too slow, you don't, you don't have the continents evolving into the present form. If it runs too fast, you have volcanoes, you have earthquakes, you can't ex- life can't exist. Another scientist said the sun is 93 million miles away, 93 million miles away. It's 27 million degrees at the core of the sun, Fahrenheit, it's 27 million degrees. And this provides the perfect mixture of warmth and energy. The sun's mass is 300 times that of Earth, yet it's the perfect size for life to exist on Earth. If it were bigger, it would omit a blue radiation that would interrupt the ozone layer and lead to a flood of ultraviolet radiation, which would be disastrous for life. If the sun isn't the size that it is at the distance that it is from Earth, with its core as hot as it is, there would be no life. Gravity ratios, the tilt of the Earth, rotation of the Earth, all of it is unparalleled in its ability to create a perfect environment to sustain life. The complexity is mind-boggling. And how do you explain all of this? This, you're telling me these things are, how logical would it be to believe this is all just by chance? This is just random? It's hard, It's, it's just almost impossible for me, logically, to accept something so bizarre as that so it leaves you with a simple question which is 
How did all that happen? And, and, and you can look at all the factors for even like a human life. I mean, the way the body, the body just evolved into all of this complexity just happened. The birth of a child, it, it, the amount of things that have to go right in a, for a body to work and all you need is for one of those to go wrong and you're in sickness or disease and you realize the thousands and thousands and thousands of things that happen every day. And they're all created and designed. All right, here's causality. Here's another reason, causality. We exist and that requires a cause for our existence. The universe has not always exist, existed. But according to the theory of relativity, it had a beginning. So there was a beginning. The Hubble telescope shows us the universe is expanding from a singular beginning point that's just science now again for those of you like well, I, can't, if I, I can't believe in God because it takes too much faith so far I've given you really nothing but science the attributes of the cause of the universe being outside of time and space are what the attributes of God therefore God is the cause of the universe there's your causality just right just in other words uh, here's another way the universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe must have a cause for its existence. The attributes of the cause of the universe being timeless, existing outside of space, are all attributes of God. Therefore, the cause of the universe must be God. It's just the most basic, logical argument that you could possibly have. It's so just so incredibly simple if you just walk right through it, it just leads you logically, it just leads you logically to, to one possible place. All right, here's another one, the morality reason, morality argument. Moral values are not invented by us, they're discovered by us. Human beings have a conscience and there are universal values we hold. All we need to do is just look around and see what's happening in our world. You, you see these terrorists do these unbelievable, unspeakable things to children, beheading children. And, oh man, I mean, you know, using gardening tools. I mean, it's just almost, it's beyond horrific. Elderly people being burned alive, can't even identify them. We all know this is wrong. A terrorist in, I'm a native New Englander in Maine, you know, like Maine, are you kidding me? Like 29 homicides in the entire year in Maine. And then 18 people, maybe more uh, between time of this recording. When you listen to it, I hope not, have died from some maniac because this person had mental problems. And we, we know that's wrong. We know it's wrong. Why do we know it's wrong? Because we have these universal values. What makes us believe these things and have then have certain laws about them? Where did this come from? How do you explain it? it it's easy to explain with God. God exists and he placed this in us. He placed in us a moral code, a moral conscience. Which really just naturally just if we just want to that 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 stands on itself, right? But if we wanted to just 
naturally segue to just one more common consent. In other words, many people have looked to worship God throughout history. People have been worshiping God from the beginning. Why? Because they have a conscience, because they know there's right and wrong. Either the majority are wrong or or they're right, you know. The majority of people throughout history have recognized that there's a God. Now, just because the majority in one country say differently than that, it's it says more about them being wrong than everyone else being wrong. Now, you have the famous Pascal's Wager. In case you haven't heard it, it's pretty simple. It goes like this. If you choose to believe in God and you live your life according to the teachings of Jesus and you end up living this moral life and a life filled with purpose and meaning and you end up being wrong and there's no God, what have you lost? What have you lost? You had a great life. But if you live your life believing God doesn't exist and you are immoral and you don't have purpose and you don't have meaning and God turns out to have existed, wow, you have lost everything in this life and the life to come. It is a massive, massive gamble that you would be gambling the wrong way on, wagering the wrong way. So the answer is to believe in God, to come to know God personally, by accepting him into your life, receiving forgiveness of your sins, accepting Jesus into your life, worshiping God and following the teachings of Jesus and what the principles that are in the Bible. That There's your guaranteed way to have a fantastic, fulfilling, incredible life. Know God, come to know God personally, worship God follow his teachings, be a part of his church and be in fellowship with people who believe those things as well and live a life of purpose and meaning, fulfill God's plan for your life and and endeavor to reach your God-given potential. Best possible way you could live all begins where? Believing in God. I hope I've convinced you today. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.